Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. And once again, it's the Me and My Cousins podcast. We got all three guys in the house tonight. It is Angelo Gingerelli, Mike Casal, Kenny Nicosia, and we are ready to keep you up to speed on everything going on in August 2020. We got a great interview at the end of the show with a very, very funny Jake Dillon. Uh, unfortunately, Mike and Kenny couldn't have been there for that, but I interviewed him and we had a great time. If you're not following uh, Jake Dillon official on Instagram, go ahead and do that now. Check out his character, the generic Monmouth County mom. If you've ever been anywhere near Monmouth County or really the whole state of New Jersey, you will laugh out loud at these videos and this character. <laughs> I know I did the first time I saw it. I couldn't keep myself together. So shout out to my wife, Ambar, for introducing me to his videos and Instagram account. And then a shout out to Jake Dillon for sitting down with me and talking about that. Before we get to Mike and Kenny, this episode is again brought to you by Bean Mug and Coffee Company, which is a small batch coffee company out of Point Pleasant, New Jersey. They feature unique blends inspired from the Jersey Shore, and every month they feature a single origin coffee from around the world. For the month of August, they just introduced Costa Rican Coffee. Bean Mug and Coffee Co. is giving our listeners 10% off all coffee and the recently released espresso. Visit BeanMugAndCoffeeCo.com and enter the promo code COUSINS. 10 at checkout for 10% off. That's C-O-U-S-I-N-S 10. Bean Mug and Coffee Co., the roast from the coast. Mike, how you doing, man? What's up, Ange? What's up, Kenny? How you guys doing? Yo. Yeah, hey, just to keep like everybody that. in on yeah, our sponsor. I liked your post the other day where you switched it and you put a little Boogie Cousins on uh, Instagram and Facebook for us. I liked it. Yeah, man, when we started this podcast, I bought three DeMarcus Cousins jerseys, one from each of his stops in the NFL for us to wear. I was going to wear the Pelicans one, Kenny was going to wear the Warriors one, and Mike was going to wear the Lakers one, but unfortunately, the world is shut down and we cannot go out in public. So that is uh, that is several hundred dollars in DeMarcus Cousins jerseys I have sitting in my closet that nobody can wear. Um, also uh, we'll get, to, next we'll get to, to it one day. Yeah, that is that is on one pile of my recording studio right now, and on the other <laughs> side, I have my box from Bean Mug and Coffee that I have to get down to you guys at some point when we can all get together. Uh, like I said last month, I tried out the Boardwalk Blend Roast, really good, really enjoyed it. This month, I got a bag of Beach Bonfire, which number one, it's a really good coffee. I don't, I'd like to say it reminds me of having a bonfire at the beach, but I've never been to a beach bonfire because we live in New Jersey where the beaches have been under martial law since probably the 1960s. Um, so if you live in a, in a part of the country where the beaches are not so heavily policed and right now you're like social distancing, beach badges, lifeguards blowing whistles every 10 seconds, keeping people in line, cops everywhere. That's the way we've done the beach in New Jersey for as long as I can remember. We've been under the quarantine era at beaches since I was born. <laughs> um, so if you live in a state where you can start a bonfire on the beach, this coffee might remind you of that. Unfortunately, we live in New Jersey where if you light a match on the beach, it's going to be accompanied by a $300 fine and 40 plus hours of community service. <laughs> uh, Mike, what are you been up to this week? Not man, same old, same old, getting to the beach earlier in the week, working later in the week. Typical schedule for me doing our podcast tonight, which I'm excited about. So normal week for me. How has the beach been has been packed where you are? Mike's down in Ocean County. I live in Monmouth County. Um like, how's the beach down in Ocean yeah, County? Yeah, man, it's been it's been crowded. It's uh it's as the summer's gone on, it's got progressively more crowded from like late June to August. Now obviously Jersey Shore summer is July and August, but it's even from early July, like it's significantly more crowded than it was like 
you know, early July than it was mid-August. So as the summer has gone on, more and more people got more comfortable or more and more people were like, we don't give a shit, we're going outside. So I don't know which one it is, but the beach is definitely I, packed. And I think as somebody, I live right next to the beach. And I think what happens too is when it's June and July, people are kind of like, I'll get to the beach eventually. And then August hits and they're like, man, the summer's coming to an end. I got to get down there before this whole thing is a wrap. Um, so you get those weekends in August are just just jam packed with people, man. I live three blocks from the beach, and cars are parked in front of my house. Like that's the parking lots are full. The for first two blocks are full, and there's the beach is just packed up in Monmouth County. Which, depending how you're viewing things right now in the coronavirus era, is a good or a bad thing. It's good they're coming down. Hopefully they're spending money stimulating the economy and having a good time getting out of the house. The bad thing is they're not being smart about social distancing. We might have another you know massive outbreak at some point. It doesn't look like it's going that way, but who knows? Kenny, how are you? Good man. Question: Are you slowly turning into that guy who's saying who? Parking outside of my house. <laughs> uh, dude, I go so far out of the way not to be that guy. When I see people parked outside, I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Enjoy your day at the beach. Uh, yeah. For the listeners dude, that don't understand. Well, do you remember right? stand in the spot. putting in a garbage can in a spot or something like that? <laughs> Oh, Sitting like on a the month. front stoop, just staring at it, baiting people that there. <laughs> like a month the ago, paper, Michael called me and was like, I'm going to go to the beach. And I parked by, yeah, sure, park wherever you want. And just for the listeners, man, uh, growing up, our family had a house near the beach. And our grandparents were so protective of the area outside of their house. Like, it was, it was beyond <laughs> what you think they should have been. Like, they protected their parking spots the way the drug dealers in the wire protected their corners. Like, Guns were never drawn, but it was never out of the realm of possibility of things that might happen. Um, like we have grandfathers that if they had a car parked in front of us that they didn't recognize, their day was ruined. <laughs> Straight up. Um, also, this is a little side story. A couple, our family hasn't had that house in a long time. But probably three summers ago, I was over in that area, so I just wanted to drive by it, and I drove by and I saw John Calipari, who was the is the current coach of the University of Kentucky, right? Yes, Kentucky. Like Kentucky, but he's at Memphis before that, the New Jersey Nets before that. And I guess he has a house closer and he's walking back. And my only thought was like, it's a good thing he wasn't around 10 years ago. If he would have parked in front of my grandfather's house, he would have gotten <laughs> beat the down, man. And uh, I just like, wouldn't that be great on ESPN? Like John Calipari beaten up by angry old man for parking in the wrong spot at the Jersey Shore. <laughs> that would be a big, that would be a big headline, man. That would be huge. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have high white socks on and sandals? No, nah, man. What I'll say about Calipari is this. Do you ever look at somebody, and even if you don't know anything about them, you could tell they're a star. Like, if you're in a bar, there might be a guy that you, for, he looks like he's running the show, right? Or, like, you just catch a guy at a dinner, and you're like, I don't know what that guy does, but he's somebody. That's Calipari what Calipari has. has. He's got, yeah, like, that like, kind of star power. Where, like, obviously, I knew who he was, but if I didn't, like, he stands out. For, he's not dressed, you know, extravagantly. He's wearing regular beach clothes. He was with his wife, who looked like a, a nice lady or whatever. But um, they were just walking, and it's like, those people are are somebody. You ever you ever experienced that? It could be the shades, the slick back, if he was rocking it. Like, just, this guy's got something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, ru- the rumor I heard about that house is that that was part of his compensation package with the Nets back in the late 90s. Um, which is a weird, I don't know if that's true or not. It could be a rumor, but that's a weird thing to ask for. You know what I mean? There's about that many millions of dollars and you're like, I need a house. 
on the, and then they, the negotiations happened and they're like, all right, we'll put you on the Bay side. He's like, no, I need the beach side. <laughs> and then they just go back and forth. And it's like, look, unless you're going to get rid of Derek Coleman, I need the beach side. And they're like, all right, we'll trade Coleman. You go to the Bay side and we'll draft Keith Van Horn. Let's go. <laughs> That's actually so good. <laughs> um, yeah, but Lavalette real estate is a bigger bargaining chip in most NBA negotiations than people realize. Than we realize. Um, yeah, maybe right? we can get John Calipari on the podcast one day. Imagine that. Oh, my God. Talking to him about that. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, Hey, we'll come to your house and record a Lavalette. Not just stay in your own house, man. We're recording online. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, let's get, get into what's going on this week a little bit. Uh, it's been a pretty, pretty kind of quiet week in the world until about today. Uh, Kamala Harris, you're running for vice president. What do you guys think about that? Mike, you're a history guy. What are your thoughts on that? Do they have a shot to win her and Biden? What are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, if you're just looking at it based on, you know, uh, I'm a political junkie, so I've been following this for a while. She's, she's been the first choice all along that a lot of people thought he was going to pick, but there was a couple close with her. Um, she comes with pros and cons, obviously. Uh, couple pros is she's going to definitely serve as a, you know, attack type vice president. Biden's older. We know he struggles even putting together sentences, to be honest. Um, he's going to run on his Obama credentials, his 50 years in politics. And Harris is going to be the one that goes up Trump, goes at Trump and Pence. Um, she's she and she's good at it. She's a good debater. Um, she's got a good following. Uh, so those are all positives for her. Some cons, she might not be left enough. And by left, I mean, she kind of, when she was back in her California attorney general days and her days as the DA of San Francisco, she kind of was, she was pro-cop because that's the kind of field she was in. And obviously today we're, I'm not saying Democrats are anti-cop, that can come out wrong, obviously, but they're definitely more for police reform and things like that. And her police record is definitely one that they're going to, she's going to get attacked for as being too lenient on the police. Um, sometimes she's she's a very type A person. She's really strong and that can rub, rub people the wrong way. And also she comes from a state that Biden's going to win no matter what, you know, California. So she doesn't really bring anything electorally to the ticket. Um, but overall, in a quick one minute synopsis of it, definitely pros. You can definitely pick out, out cons um, for Biden. I think it was a smart decision. And um, right now, I'd say that if just judging by the polls and the climate of the country, I put Biden at like 55, 60% chance of winning and Trump in that 45, 40 range. So it's real close. I wouldn't say it's 50, 50. I think it's slight chance, slight lead for Biden because a lot of the polls, which are credible, show him in the lead, but um, Trump's obviously going to go down swinging. Um, he raises a lot of money. So this is going to be close. And uh, Kamala Harris is, definitely going to bring some positives to the table for Biden, but she'll also have some cons, which the Trump uh, campaign will definitely exploit. But um, I guess I went a little over a minute, but I think I did pretty good. What do you guys think? You cr <laughs> crushed it, man. I got a question for you guys. If Trump loses, right, what is his next move? Does he go back to The Apprentice? Like so yeah. much of his persona, so, so much of his persona is about being yeah. a winner, right? I'm a winner. What do you do if you're a proven loser at that point? Obviously, losing a presidential election is you're still beat so many other people and you're winning at life in so many ways but like if you're proving that you're not a winner anymore does his brand work oh pretty man. good question it's a good question i mean um, i don't know man maybe he just goes back to the playing golf you know 
Um, I don't know. Selling hotel I don't think, shit. I don't I mean, think he can help hotels. himself. I think he's got to be in the news, though. He was always like that, right? Like, even Bullet Four's political career, he was a guy that liked being in the news, liked being relevant, you know? Yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't know how, but he's also going to be 78 years old, so maybe he will want to shut it down, Ken. Maybe you're right, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he's in, in, but, uh, in a weird spot. He's, his whole life has been, I'm, I'm a winner. Um, if you're not a winner, it's going to say, what's next? Uh, other political thing I want to talk about real quick. In New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy has okayed schools to reopen, uh, you know, elementary schools, high schools, colleges. What do we think about that? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a pretty good idea, you know. Kids uh, need that, like, like, human interaction, you know, to, like, grow. And we can't just keep like everything on pause forever you know um like if corona if coronavirus is still gonna run its course or not we still got to keep living life and stuff like that uh like i was reading an article they were relating coronavirus to a a forest fire and it's like kind of burning through humans like a fire and they said it's really not gonna be seasonal it's just gonna keep burning so i don't know i think we should just keep living life and i think it's pretty a pretty good decision Cool, Mike. You're in the schools more than more than us. What do you think? Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I, I like Kenny's analogy with the forest fire thing. But it's definitely going to be here two years from now. Like even if we get yeah. a vaccine, even if it's under control, it, those things just don't disappear. So I think you're right that we're going to have to end up learning living with it. The rumor is we, you know, in theory, we might have to wear masks for another two years. You know? Yeah, um, that's, that's ridiculous, man. Yeah, but I mean, uh, two safety, to three but, years. I read. Two yeah, to three. Yeah. And it's valid. I mean, maybe if maybe if, you know, this people continue to social distance and we get a vaccine and it works, maybe it won't be. But I read the same thing, you know, but 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 let's be honest. How many people even social distance? Like, come on. now. I think social distancing is failing, but I think wearing masks succeeding for the most like, bro, that person doesn't even have a clue what six foot even looks like, let alone a foot. You know what I mean? No, no, I don't think. I think we can definitely see social distancing isn't working, but I think more people are wearing masks, and I think that's why infections are going down. Again, I'm not a doctor, but that would make yeah. sense to me, you know? Like, well, I, I mean, I'm, luckily in New Jersey, dude, we have, like, the lowest amount of cases in the country, you know? And Ocean yeah, County, we, we have the lowest amount of cases in the state, so I would say we're all pretty damn lucky. Yeah, we definitely started out really bad, and we've done a good job controlling it, you know? I, I can say that. Yeah. Um, but going back to schools, uh, someone that's in it— um, I understand kids need to be in school uh, for multiple reasons, for education purposes, uh, for parents, because, you know, so parents can go to work, you know, I even totally to understand just that. grow too. Yeah, no, I get it. Human interaction. Ken, I agree with you. Um, I just, I don't think, I don't think it's feasible. I don't think it can work. I just don't, I don't know how, again, someone that's in a school with, you know, 1500, 2000 people, um, we see cases right now. Georgia school district opened like, within one one week. The biggest county in uh, Georgia had to shut down the schools because they had like 900 people quarantined. Like they, it just didn't like too many people may have been infected because of the few that did. Um, I think uh, Tom's River today. I think tonight Tom's River just announced that they are doing virtual for September. Um, I cannot confirm that, but I was just told that about a half hour ago. I did not read it myself yet, but Tom's River School District, which is one of the bigger school districts in our area, is believed to be going virtual for the first month of school. So it'll be interesting to see if other school districts follow. Um, The school district I work for, uh, we're planning on going back. We have a good plan in place, it sounds like, 
Um, and I think it's kind of like that whole boxing analogy, right? Uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I think we have a plan that's good. But how's that going to happen when one, two, three kids are infected? And then how do you go about dealing with who they infected? You know, so I think we should try to go back. I just don't know if it's feasible. And that's my opinion on it. As the only parent on this podcast, like I want my daughter to be back in a classroom with her friends and her teachers as soon as possible. But I think that you got to look at the real side. It's like these buildings are old. They don't have great ventilation. You're asking this custodian staff to do a ton of work. And the example, I, if you guys have watched Hard, Knock, Hard Knocks, which were the, the NFL preseason show where they put on like they just follow a team all year. This year they're following both the L.A. teams, the Chargers and the Rams. And like the show is terrible to watch. Because it's just minutes upon minutes of people cleaning stuff. It's just cleaning weights, <laughs> cleaning the field, cleaning the cleats, cleaning the medical spec. And then it's guys getting their temperatures taken for seven. It's like it's it's just it's bad television because like I understand all that stuff's gotta be done. I understand it's important, but put something on TV that's better than that. Like I understand the NFL is protecting themselves to some extent and saying we're taking every precaution to keep our players safe, which I they I I have no reason to believe they're not, but like, that's not, not a good TV show. I, I look forward to that show over here. Last year they did the Raiders. Um, I like the Raiders. They always have a bunch of characters on the team. And this year it's just, it's like real boring. And then everybody's wearing masks. So it's hard to get to really know the guys. Cause you don't, you know, football, you wear a helmet. You don't really see them that much. And they take their helmet off. They got a mask on. It's like, you can't even connect to the characters because the the show is really a show about the coronavirus that happens to involve some NFL players. It's not really a show about NFL teams this year. Um, and I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's not important. I'm just saying as a fan, I don't see myself watching too much more of that. Uh, one thing I do want to say about people that are doing the coronavirus right and two former guests of our show got together and did something real fun last week. Uh, uh, Jimmy Muir from the clubhouse is putting on some shows outside of Tom's River. And they did one hip hop show on a Sunday, which was uh, this guy named Chief A. And then our boy Drew the Recluse, one of our probably our most listened to podcasts we've done, uh, came out and rocked that real good. They did everybody in cars. Uh, Jimmy comes out in the beginning, makes a few announcements. And then, you know, the guy, t- uh, the opening act took the stage while he was on stage. He was a good performer. My favorite thing he said was uh, he said, I like thick white girls i call them alfredo sauce because they're thick and white and i was like all right man that's uh i can't believe I, no one's ever thought of that before it's so it's such an analogy that's just hanging out there for everybody so it's it's it's, it's, it's in downtown Tom's river there's the rivers right behind it and there's people just hanging out at like i'm gonna say it's a beach but it's just like a vacant lot that goes up to the water right and there's people on jet skis so while the opening act is there this middle-aged woman who was not wearing shoes at the time, but her feet looked like she may have never worn shoes before in her life, right? Starts making her way to the stage and tries to take the microphone out of this gentleman's hand. He Stop. was great about it. And then the two security guards, I'm not, they didn't look like security. They were just, they might've been Jimmy Murray's friends, but they were kind of patrolling the area, had to get her off and did a great job of quelling that situation. And now we're like, okay, our boy Drew's coming up, moving on. It's not going to happen again. Well, Drew the Recluse comes on, another person from this group of people hanging out at the river, a guy wearing only cargo shorts, no shirt, no underwear, because these cargo shorts were way too low for anybody's own good, um, <laughs> yeah. and no shoes, starts walking towards the stage from the beach area, He does, and he does about 20 reps in a row of five steps, 
five push-ups, five steps, five push-ups. And I thought to like, like, what's going to happen here? So I'm about to jump off. But then like his push-up form was so bad. I figured I could take him if I had to get in my car and, and step in. Um, and Drew did probably a 45 minute set, did all the songs, you know, from him. He did the city. He did drive. He did high fashion, not a medley. Like he was doing full songs. And for the entire 45 minute set, it was this guy trying to get to the stage and security guards back, you know, back, kind of, kind of, follow the situation and this reaches apex when during the finale a guy pulls up to the dock puts his jet ski on a trailer and then drives as fast as you can without tipping over and almost runs this guy over with the jet ski part because he took the turn so fast now here's the thing if you get hit by a jet ski and you're in the water that's unfortunate right if you get hit by a jet ski on land, that is completely your fault. Can we all agree on that? Yeah, um, that's pretty so ridiculous. It was, it, was, it was a great night. Everybody in the cars played by the rules, windows off, beeped when the, when the show went well. Everything was good. Uh, but just Tom's River people, man, you just can't take them anywhere. Because these people were acting like they were on the Riviera when they were on the river Next to the, the you know, dilapidated river lady dinner cruise boat. And uh, they, just, they saw young people having a good time. And they were like, I got to ruin that for those people. But super shout out to all the performers and everybody at the clubhouse. Because they did a great job of keeping the situation calm, controlled. And the night ended just, just a fun night and nothing happened. But it was a weird night of just, you know, Tom's River people. Not the, the best that Tom Driver has to offer, trying to rush the stage and show people they could do push-ups well for no reason. There was just no reason for it. But they, just so you guys know, uh, Jimmy Muir is a friend of the podcast, and the, the, the clubhouse, until they can actually do stuff inside, are doing a bunch of shows out on the water in Tom's River every Sunday at 6 o'clock for the rest of the summer. So check that out if you can. Uh, just, you know, bring a cold drink. It's kind of kind of hot out there. And I'll uh, leave your air conditioning on so you don't get overheated. But it's a really good time. Uh, that's all I got for this week. What do you guys got to wrap us up? Ange, I think you missed a big one, man. How about the Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 bagging fall sports? What do we What do we think? Good idea or bad idea? Well, I mean, I'm gonna go with I'm going with good idea. Obviously, again, traveling football teams, major conferences, they can't do it like the NFL because they can't put these kids in a bubble. Like I don't I don't see it. I feel bad for the kids as a former you know college athlete. I'd be devastated. But the good thing is they're saying they're gonna push it to the spring, so they're not just saying like. It's over. Like, good luck. You lost your season. Hey, we're going to run this in the spring instead. It's not ideal, but it's still better than, you know, not playing at all. Um, the SEC and ACC and uh, Big 12 are, as of now, said, no, we're still going to play. But the big of the power five schools, two of them bagged it, the Big 10 and the Pac-12. I'm going to go with smart decision that others will follow. Uh, Ken, Ange, what do you guys think? I think it's a good it, it, college sports, man. The amount of tr travel it takes to put a hundred thousand people in some of these stadiums. There's just, there's no way it could work the way the world is now, right? So I respect changing and moving it. One thing I will say is, if you're a college sports fan and everything's kind of is, everything they say is going to happen in the spring actually happens, you're going to have a blast. There's going to be every day. There's going to be big time football, big time basketball, baseball will be happening. Um, like literally, you could just watch. The, the, if you're a sports fan and everything comes back the way it should in the spring, you're gonna not know what to watch. There'd be so much good stuff on TV, right? The people I feel bad for, the players and the people behind the scenes, they gotta make that happen, right? Because the athletic departments are not built to have football, 
basketball, baseball, plus all the other sports happening at one time. Um, and then, you know, we, we live in a cool era where all the good stuff will be on TV or streaming online. So you don't have to miss anything. But uh, these TV stations are going to be stretched to get all this on TV because it's going to be happening all at the same time, which is not the, not normally the case. But, uh, yeah, I kind of agree, man. The world we live in right now, there's no way we can play those games the way we're used to playing them. Agree. That's a good way to put it, the way we're used to playing. Like, you might be able to do it, no fans. Might be able to do it if you quarantined or bubbled teams. But that's just not how it's supposed to be, you know? So, I, I agree. With you. I think it's a, I think well said. You can't play how we're used to seeing college sports. It's a good way to put it. And the only thing I would say is I hope – those seniors that got a chance to get drafted and make some money get a chance to be seen in some capacity and and get paid for what they've been doing their whole life, right? Because we're talking about life-changing money for people. Um, and it's the worst year to be a senior in college ever or whatever year you might get drafted because all your yeah. TV exposure, all your stats, all your combines, everything's been shut down. So you're looking at, you know, a guy that's, you know, 20, 21 years old can make money that his grandkids can't spend in a normal year. And just because of the bad luck of being born the year he was, he's not going to have access to that money, man. So I just really, my heart goes out to those guys and their families. Yeah. And just think about it, dude. Like every year there's one kid in the NCAA basketball tournament, always one year, one of those Cinderella teams that make it to the sweet 16 or even like a, a four seed that makes it to the final four and the one player on their team's averaging like 25 a game hitting game winners. And he goes from being like a D league guy to a late first round guy. That's life changing, you know, and it happens every year in the draft. Remember when Shabazz Napier took um, Connecticut like to the finals, you know, and just like he rose his stock so much. Kemba Walker did the same thing. They just got so hot in the tournament that it just electrified like their like followers and drew attention to themselves. And I'm sure there's plenty others. I just, those are the two that came to my head real quick. No, nah, man. And, and you know what, that, that, that analogy works. It, it happens in sports, it happens in other fields too, right? There's no comedy festivals this year. There's no big music festivals this year. So if you're like a mid tier musician that could get on stage early at one of the big festivals and make new fans, that opportunity has been taken from you. Right? So all these things that we, we have an entertainment system and I'll put sports in, in the entertainment industry that it's, it's, it's built upon, being seen, right, and, and and being evaluated and creating new fans and making a buzz around yourself, and all of a sudden that's just been taken from people. Yeah, that's no, tough, and it's it's tough it's, because it's just what are you gonna do? Like it's like you gotta be safe, but then you feel bad for all of these people in these situations. It's like a lose lose situation, and that's what sucks about it. Yeah, it's really it's a rough time, man. Kenny, what do you got for us to wrap us up this week? Yeah, honestly, I have a question. Um, so when we get in those coffee beans, or what exactly is it? <laughs> oh, uh, the, the, <laughs> to be honest, talking about <laughs> talking about the bean mug and coffee co uh, yeah. package they sent. I'm just keeping it all. I'm not. <laughs> Come on, man. I really want to try out that beach bonfire. It actually sounds really interesting. I've been thinking about I'll, it this whole podcast. <laughs> I'll, I'll get it down to you guys, hopefully at some point this weekend. Uh, just I'm like, damn, that's a good name, man. We, we, just, we just had a solid five-minute account uh, combo about college sports, and Kenny referred back to the coffee, and in the back of his mind, he just updated his Bumble profile with the with the Alfredo sauce analogy. I like thick white woman. Like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, a sure, that's a sure winner to pick up some beans, right? <laughs> hey, both of you guys, if you don't see that, that that coffee package in your mailbox by Sunday night, just wait longer. Yeah. I got you. All right, let's shout out your social media real quick. Tell them where we can find you, and then we're going to go to the Jake Dillon interview. 
Hey, follow me on Instagram, Kenneth N, two underscores. Thanks for listening. Peace. Yep, Mike Casal 10 on Instagram. Again, thanks for listening. And please reach out, DM us if you have any questions or want to get on the show. We're always open. Let us know. And I am Angelo Gingerelli at Mr. Fifth Round, MR, the number five, T-H-R-O-U-N-D. As always, those sponsorship opportunities are available. And because it's August, it's tell a friend to tell a friend month. So if you like the show, give us a review and tell your friends on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter about it. Let us know what we're doing out here and that you like it. And uh, they could be a fan, too. And then please keep supporting. Let's give it up for Jake Dillon, me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Once again, it's the Me and My Cousins podcast. As always, I am Angelo Gingerelli. I am flying solo for this interview again today. Uh, my cousin Mike Casal is at Porta because it's 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Where else would he be? And Kenny is probably racing his Fast and the Furious car up and down Route 37 in Tom's River. So, unfortunately, they are not with us. It is just one cousin today. But I think my guest is going to make it up for us. If you guys are on Instagram and you're anywhere near Monmouth County, you probably already know this guy. Uh, he's hanging out with Cheryl and Lisa. He is the generic <laughs> Monmouth County mom. His kids go to Udell. He's an instructor at Icon Dance. He's very unsure about the pandemic. When the Nordstrom's and the Field Mall went out of business, he went in person to pay his respects. He just passed 14,000 Instagram followers this week, and that's going up every minute, it seems like. Uh, he's got a few big celebrity cosigns, and since the last time we talked, he's apparently on the Zoom. A lot of big things going on, Jake Dillon. What's going on, buddy? Uh, what an intro. Thank you. Um, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You seem awesome. Yeah, man, dude, I, I'm a fan, man. Honestly, I want to talk about how I got, got to know you and know your work. I, I do stand-up comedy all around Ocean Mountain County. I, I always feel like I have my finger on a pulse of what's going on here, if nowhere else in the world. But somehow <laughs> you flew below my radar until about a week or two ago when me and my wife were out just having just the most, most Monmouth County morning ever. We dropped our daughter off at summer camp at Fort Monmouth, went over to Coffee Corral, got some coffees, and then went over to the Navasink River where we got married at the Oyster Point and just kind of sitting in the car, hanging out, enjoying some coffees. And she starts laughing, looking at her phone. I'm like, what are you laughing at? And she goes, oh, you don't know about this guy and i'm like no i had no idea i'd never heard the word generic monmouth county mom before and i watched like three or four videos in a row and i was like oh this, this is amazing how did i not know about this to the point where i was like to my wife like how did you not tell me like you knew i would like this so here's the deal normal person would start this interview with how do you start what's your progression what's your journey like i want to i want to get to that later i want to get right into the videos so my first question is who are Cheryl and Lisa? Are they your mom's friends? Are they people you know in real life? Who are these people? Yeah, I feel like it's this infusion of all the moms I grew up with that are like Monmouth County based, but all grew up in Brooklyn um, and like mostly Jewish, like my family's Jewish, all our family friends. Like I feel like it's also an infusion of Italian moms that are from Staten Island. Like it, it could kind of be relatable to most in Monmouth County, tri-state area in general, Long Island, like the whole works. Um, so yeah, I mean, but the Monmouth County mom was always just one of the characters of many that I was doing for five plus years. And you know how it works with stand up. It's like you try, you fail, you see what joke hits. And then I realized over quarantine with TikTok getting stronger and people really flocking to that, that like that's what people were being drawn to is this Monmouth County mom idea. So I just kept going with that idea. I try to think of new ideas with that every day. Yeah, man, it's, it's a cliche, but I think it's true. But behind every overnight sensation is 10 years of hard work and struggle. Um, like you said, you've been doing this five years, but it seems like you're on your way faster than 10 years, which I think is awesome. Uh, one thing I really like about the phone, about the, 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 the skits, that I think works visually, is you never use a real phone, right? It might be a beach chair, might be a shopping bag, might be a plunger. 
How does that, how do you get that idea and how does that develop? Cause that's, it's just very weird. It takes a minute to get it. And once you get it, you're like, Oh, this whole thing is very funny by itself. <laughs> I mean, yeah, thank you. I'm just as low budget as they come. So like when I first started doing videos, it was literally just like, I don't have another phone on me. So I'm just going to pretend to be on the phone. And then I guess one time I must've used a random object, like a hand sanitizer bottle or something as a phone. And then you realize that your followers, your audience loves that idea. So then I use that as like the comedy game to continue with this is to just always use a new phone. Of course, make it more ridiculous. Each time I've used like my dog, I've used a human, like you just see what you can do and make it bigger and better. Yeah. We live in a weird time where we're so kind of, kind of handcuffed to our phones. If you want to make a video with a phone in it, it's kind of challenging, right? It's a yeah. weird thing because you need the phone to film everything. So what do you use in place of a phone? Uh, I think you're doing that <laughs> as funny as you can do it. Now, as a university of Delaware alumni, I have to ask, Yes. What is your connection to Udell and why does it come up in almost every one of your videos? It's so funny that you say that. I have literally no connection to Udell at all. No one in my family has gone there. I've never gone. I've never stepped foot on the campus. I just know that any, like, for lack of a better term, like, basic girl from Monmouth County, they all go to Udell. Like, I, it's just the most common school I could think of. So when I was thinking of, like, developing this Monmouth County mom character and her daughter, like, she'd most likely go to Udell in my mind. So that's where it started once. And then I didn't realize Udell has this whole following on TikTok, like, blue hens, you know, I mean, you're from there. Um, so I just was like, okay, so you can grow, like, a Udell following if you just keep that idea going. So that's why I've been using that over and over. Yeah, man, I love it. And I, I live in Monmouth County now. I love it here. I grew up in Ocean County, right? So you're right. When I was down there, and this is a while ago, there were a lot of people there from Monmouth County. And in your words, basic Monmouth County girls. Not mine, <laughs> your words. But I feel like, you know, when you're away at college, you meet people and you're from kind of the same area. So you start talking. And I feel like I, I was cool till I told them I was from Tom's River. And they immediately felt they were better than me, just off top. And I'm like, we both ended up in the same place. We were not that different, but I do feel like that Monmouth County people have a little bit of superiority to Ocean County people. Oh you my God. On that? I hate that. Like, I hate that so much, but it, it's true. Like, they really act like that. Um, but yeah. Uh, then the other question I got, the, you, the one, I guess, up until this last YouTube video you just broke, which has a pretty high production value to talk about in a second, uh, I guess your biggest hit was that you just don't know what's going to happen next during the pandemic and everybody having those conversations of just we're, we're, we're flying through the unknown right now as a society, as a country, as a, as a state in New Jersey. Um, what prompted that video and why do you think that one caught on so much steam, man? You got some big celebrity co-signs. Tell us about those. You got a ton of hits. Uh, it's a weird thing. It's, I wouldn't say it's one of your funnier videos, but it's one that I think strikes a chord more than the over the top funny one. Did you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think that I'm the most organically funny when I'm just not trying and I'm not thinking about it. And I just produce something that's on my mind. I usually just spoof something ridiculous that I can make funny or I am just explaining my real life thoughts, which was like, I guess a month ago when I was like my therapy session after quarantine, and I was just thinking about me and all of us going to therapy after we're locked away for six months. Like, what are we going to say? And I just started outpouring those ideas and that was the most relatable people love that so then I was like I have to do a part two of like I'm still in a rut I still have no clue what I'm doing and I felt like that was just the most organically funny work that I could produce um as opposed to trying to put on this like show and this character kind of thing so it did well yeah man de definitely struck a chord with a lot of people uh, I guess let's go back to the beginning now. How do we get – obviously, you're from Monmouth County somewhere. What town are you from? Where would you grow yeah. up? And how do we go uh -huh. from whatever you were doing when you were in high school to, to where we are right now? Yeah, um, I'm from, like born in Brooklyn, moved to Marlboro right away. Um, 
grew up in Marlboro doing theater since I'm six years old, like singer, dancer, actor, the whole works. I've done some New York professional theater. I've done cruise ship works, whatever. Um, and then I went to Howell High School for the acting program at FPAC, which is an awesome program, and then went to study dance. I got my degree, my BFA in dance from Pace University. Um, so I was kind of just doing it all, still trying to chase the Broadway dream, the performer thing. Um, and then when I moved to LA in like 2016 and started taking some improv comedy, I realized that like, people are just making it off of their cell phones. People are making big names for themselves. TV shows want to work with people that have made names for themselves. So I felt like it was almost a better use of my time to be creating this silly stuff on Instagram and this these crazy characters. And that would gain me more attraction for what I really want, which is acting on TV, Broadway performing, whatever. Um, and it was just working. So I realized, okay, keep going. And now with this TikTok craze in 2020, it's even, it's skyrocketing way more than I could have ever imagined. So I'm sticking on that train. But the ultimate goal was always to like be a performer, be an actor on a sitcom. So that's kind of why I use the platform on social media. I didn't wake up one day and just say, I want to post online. Like this has been over 20 years of work and grind and all that. Awesome. Because you brought up Broadway and, and live performance, which is a big part of what you did, I'm assuming, pre-pandemic era and hopefully post-pandemic, too. What do you think the future of Broadway and live shows are? When are we back to going to Broadway? Uh, what do you think is going to happen in that world? It's so hard. I guess it's just like the restaurant industry right, right now. Like for the summer, they can make the best of outdoor theater and outdoor dining and all of that. And I've seen some of that happen in like LBI and some good outdoor theaters. But I would imagine for like November and on, like if this is still a problem in the country, then we're not going to be able to have Broadway. I know Broadway's closed to like mid-March. Um, so yeah, it kind of put my life on hold because my life was like waking up at 6 a.m., going to dance auditions in New York, like that whole grind. Um, so I would imagine we don't, until there's a vaccine, there's not going to be Broadway or any of that. Yeah, it's crazy to think about things we, we think about as just like institutions. Like you, a year ago, you couldn't have told me there's no Broadway place. There's 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 going to be sports, but they're going to be shut down for three months at a time. Um, you know, football is going to happen without people in the stands. Kids are not going back to school in September the way they normally would in September. Um, and just the world's changed so much in the last couple of months. And obviously, I'm not saying any of it doesn't know, but that's why I think what you're doing online is valuable because you're making it, you're making people laugh and kind of making them feel like things might be okay. Because at the end of the day, we have all these question marks. But laughing at the generic Monmouth County mom is still a funny thing. And if you live within a, say, 100-mile radius of Monmouth County, that's a, it's a very funny character and a very funny joke, man. So I appreciate you putting that work in for everybody. I mean, that's it's exactly that. It's just it has been making people happy. And that's been like a specific comment when I run into people on the street or whatever, and they come up to me and say they've seen the videos. Like, just to hear someone say, like, you've made this time for me a lot easier and you've made me smile. Like, then it reminds me, like, okay, that's why you go into performing. That's why you're an entertainer. It's not this self-serving, like, I need to get a million likes and comments and views and whatever. It's more about making other people happy. So that's really cool. Yeah, man, I feel like a lot of, a lot of times, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, and I feel like a lot of times people my age look at younger younger people and think like they look down on them for being so into social media and so into I I base my self worth on likes and views and, and retweets and stuff like that. But I think there is a component of it if you put something out there and people like it, you're bringing them joy, right? It's not a strictly selfish pursuit to make people happy enough that they hit that like button or the subscribe button and you give them something they like in their life. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's like their new Netflix or whatever they use to stream and to watch movies. Yeah. So with, with that being said, again, you brought up Netflix 
and you said your next step will hopefully be some kind of traditional acting, performing, something like that. Ideally, what's the net? What's the rest of 2020 and maybe 2020 look like for Jake Dillon, man? What would you, if everything played out ideally according to your script, what would you like to see happen for yourself? Um, I mean, this is. Uh, I'm I'm gonna stop apologizing for saying this because I realize the more I say it, the more I manifest it and the right things come. But I've always said I want to be the next J-Lo in male form. I want to do it all. I look at J-Lo at 27. She was releasing Let's Get Loud for the first time. She was in a movie. She was doing TV. She was dancing because she's a dancer just like me. So like, honestly, the most broad answer I could give you is I want to be the next J-Lo, but you can't wake up and be the next J-Lo. So I want to keep producing work. I want to spend the rest of 2020 writing comedy for myself so that I can open up acting opportunities. I want to continue writing songs like I did with this on the Zoom situation I did over the pandemic. And I want to keep showcasing my dancing so that hopefully I just am this package that people see as like, oh, Jake Dillon, actor, singer, dancer, just like J-Lo was. And um, yeah, I wish, and SNL, SNL has always been the ultimate goal. But um, yeah, I guess the best answer is I just want to keep producing fun artistic work and see what happens. Okay. Since you brought up SNL, give me your top three SNL performers ever in, um, for you. I guess old school, like Will Ferrell. Um, right now, I I don't know. I weirdly love Pete Davidson, even though that's like a weird topic for everyone. I feel like people don't know um, or people have weird opinions. And like A.D. Bryant, I'm forever obsessed with. Um yeah, honestly, and this sounds weird, but I feel like it's just most of the old school, like 80s situation, like um, going way back. But the new cast is great, too. Not knocking the new cast, but I feel like it hit its peak in like the 80s as well. Um, so, yeah. How about yours? Um, I, I'm going to say, without thinking about it too much, my top three would probably be uh, at Adam Sandler hit mm. me like a like a punch in the chest when I was in high school. Like I just thought everything he did was so funny. Um, I was a little too young for like the Eddie Murphy, um, like Bill Murray era. So I'd say like the nineties was my peak time for SNL. So I'm going to go Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, and then Will Farrell like you, I think. He's so, you know, what's weird about SNL, I man, you look back and there's so many of those guys and girls that you think about, like think about Eddie Murphy, for example, you think of all these other things he did and SNL was one of them. So I think a lot of them did better stuff after SNL. And it, to some extent, even Will Ferrell had so many good characters in SNL, right? But still, when I think of Will Ferrell, my first thought is old school, right? Or, or kicking and screaming, one of the movies he did. Um, so yeah. it, 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 I, I have a hard time in my mind thinking, like, who did the best work on SNL? Because I always think about their whole careers. Yeah. No, that's true. The next two I was going to say was Will Ferrell, Eddie, Mur or, um, Eddie Murphy, Adam Sandler. But yeah, it's like when you think Adam Sandler, you think of, like, Big Daddy or with Will Ferrell. It's like the Elf movie. Um but yeah, they really got their start there. And I think it's really cool that comedy can open up such huge doors for people. And that's why I started investing time in the UCB comedy school in the city, which unfortunately closed down for a bit. But um, yeah, I find that this New York comedy scene might be my smartest route to like stay in. And I could pick your brain for hours and hours because you've done it for longer. Um, so it seems cool. That's hopefully where I'll end up. Yeah, man. The only thing, and I am not the guy to give any kind of advice whatsoever, um, but I do, I, I do think a couple things, you know, someone like, I just say, get on stage as much as you possibly can and mm -hmm. try as many, th and I think it's going to be a problem for you. Try as many things that you think are just off the wall and so left field that they won't ever work. Be the guy or girl that tries that. Cause I think there's a, you know, if you want to be middle of the line and be average, you're probably going to have average success. But I think, like, I think one, one reason why I gravitate towards your, what you're doing online is it's, it's pretty out there, right? Like, 
you're not using a phone. You're you're doing a character. You're dancing. You're doing all this stuff that other people aren't doing. So you know, I'm, I follow a hundred comedians on Instagram, but your stuff is completely different than what the other guys and girls are doing. So I think you're off to a great start on that. With hey. that being no problem, man. With that being said, I want to talk about the newest thing you posted, which is the I'm on the Zoom uh, video. Much higher production values than than most of your videos. You're a one man show. This is a dance troupe. This is the beach. This is multiple locations. You got an acting segment. You got a music segment. You spit a couple bars for everybody. How's that song come about, man? I mean, also the fact that you're saying spit a couple bars, like I'm Nicki Minaj, is amazing and hysterical to me. But um, I started doing the comedy thing during the pandemic. Like I started posting a lot online people just really gravitated to me saying I'm on the Zoom. Like I didn't wake up and like think I'm gonna coin this term. I think I just like came to me on improv or in that improv mindset. So then people were like, oh my God, I'm on the Zoom. That's so funny, blah, blah, blah. So then for whatever reason, my mind went to turn this into a song, like make a, a rap, make a beat, whatever. So then I contacted a friend of a friend who's a producer in LA and she made this like sick beat, which is what you hear on the song. So then I was like, okay, I have to make a rap. I don't have rapping experience, but like I'm a creative, I could do something. So I like wrote like four verses and I was proud of myself. It came out decent. So that was attached to the song. Then I was like, okay, you're a dancer, make a music video. So then I hired a choreographer friend. I hired two videographer friends. Um, I hired 14 dancers that are like friends through the dance world that I know. And then I was like, just turn this into a huge thing. Like invest some money, put your energy into this and make this song. So that's how that happened. And it took a couple months to produce the full thing. But now there's a music video out um, and I'm really proud of it. And now the goal would be to like really keep on going with that. Like, parody kind of music video situation in as many capacities as I can. Yeah, man, I always say one of the funniest things to me about like musical comedy is where it's it's funny, right? The, the video is funny, the lyrics are funny, but when it's actually like a song you would listen to if it wasn't funny, that's where it really comes together. And I think yeah. that you're, what you did there really comes together. It's got a summer vibe to it. It mm-hmm. feels like a club banger that when you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh, wait, this is actually very funny and with the times. Uh, yeah. so super good work on that, man. Yeah, I mean, I feel like so on the Zoom is linked to the the app Zoom, but I had to get smart and realize, OK, so then you have to deal with like legalities with the company Zoom. So why don't you just change it to like I'm on the go, I'm on the Zoom, make it this self-empowerment movement where you're just moving along, living your best life, summer anthem, like you said, drinking culture, whatever. So that's how I, I got away with making it like I'm on the Zoom. It's Jake Dylan's thing. It's not the Zoom app, even though I love the Zoom app as well. I, I mean, we're in a situation now in you know, summer 2020, you either got to love it or learn to deal with it. It is not going anywhere. Um, it's just, it's the way we're living right now. So mm-hmm. and if you don't, you know, props to those interviews with props to them on that. I do see right. I, I, I've given you a lot of props, a lot of credit today. I really appreciate what you're doing online. I do see you're drinking a Rook coffee and I have to let everybody know. The Me and My Cousins podcast is, in fact, sponsored by Bean Mug and Coffee. Go ahead and hit them up at beanmugandcoffeecode.com. Yep. Put in the yep. coffee code COUSINS10 for 10% off your full order at checkout. And I'm not say, I'm not anti-Rook. I'm not anti Booster Do. I'm not anti <laughs> any other companies out there. But right now, it's ride or die for Bean Mug, or Bean Mug and Coffee Company and go support those guys. Jake. I'm going to let you go in a minute. I'm sure you're busy. You got more Monmouth County moms to film. You probably got to do another video shoot on the beach somewhere. Yeah. Uh, what, what are we, what are we expecting next? A couple more Monmouth County mom videos, another full scale music video. What's your live stuff? What's your next move? I think that the 
TikTok has been the biggest for me like thus far. And I go to the the videos that have received the most views. So like recently it was that video where I'm like every conversation ever during the pandemic, which freaking Shay Mitchell reposted, which is crazy um, from Pretty Little Liars. So I'm going to make a part two of that today, which is just like now we're still talking about like, I don't know. I don't know the fall, the fall, October, like all people talk about. Um, so, yeah, that's what you'll probably see next. Um, I'll let you know. Nice, man. And what are your plans to keep pushing on the Zoom video? Can we see any outlets soon? We any blogs and playlists? Do you have, uh-huh. a, have a master plan for that to what you know about? I have like a weird connection to KTU and Z100. Like a person that used to work at Z100. He's a huge name and he's from Marlboro and he now works for KTU. So it's literally in my to-do list today. Contact this person and tell them to play on the Zoom. I mean, I'm not imagining my song would get posted or get played on Z100 or KTU, but like shoot your shot you might as well um so we're gonna see i don't know nice man uh let's real quick shout out your social media media shout out where people can find you and then uh we'll wrap it up from there yeah i'm jake dylan official j-a-k-e-d-y-l-a-n underscore official on tiktok instagram facebook youtube all the things it's great man as always this is me and my cousin's podcast Appreciate Jake Dillon giving us some of his time today. And then uh, go find this guy on Instagram. Find him on YouTube. I've been around a lot of funny people. And what he's doing right now, particularly with the Monmouth County mom, but really just across the board, is as good as anything out there, man. So go ahead and support Jake Dillon. Me and my cousins. Thank you, Angela. It's a podcast.